today is kind of a lean day, but I just want to encourage you guys. It's, it's starting to happen. Churches are starting to fill back up. I've been talking with, with pastors and, you know, travel. There was more travel this summer than perhaps two years ago, and there was practically no travel last year because of COVID. But people, even despite the uh, Delta variant, uh, people are traveling. You know, people traveled this summer. People went away. People are eating in restaurants. People have been fulfilling that, that hunger for sand and for Hotel California singing Latin variations and just to get away. And people are coming back to church. And I want to encourage people that might be worshiping online. Um, if you haven't come back to church, you can come back to church. But some habits are hard to break, right? Sometimes we get in a groove, we get in a habit, and sometimes they're hard to break. Many Christians got real comfortable sitting on their couches in their Yoda jammies, eating peanut butter Cap'n Crunch, watching their church's service on YouTube. Or maybe it wasn't their church's service. Maybe this was an opportunity to, to watch another church's service, uh, a bigger church, a more exciting church, a more famous church, more interesting church. The temptation to do church on demand is not going away. And besides, streaming is not a bad thing. We're thankful for streaming. We're thankful for the opportunity to reach other people through streaming our service. Right now, Kara's at home, sick, and so she's able to watch the service because she doesn't feel good. And she was awake when I left, and she said, I'm going I'm to worship with you guys. I'm going to watch on YouTube. Love you, baby. Others may be home for different reasons, worshiping with us right now, being encouraged right now. So streaming is not the problem. The problem is not with the platform. The problem is with our perception. We truly don't understand the purpose of gathering together. Why do we gather together? That's what I want to answer today. That's what I will be talking about today. So there's a phrase that we use an awful lot here at Impact Rock Church. I use it a lot, and that phrase is a good phrase. It's point people to Jesus. We want to point people to Jesus. We're here to point people to Jesus. We do this together. But churches gather together not just to point people to the king, but to exalt the king. We gather together to glorify Jesus. Romans 15, 5 and 6 says, says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come together to, with one voice to glorify God, to honor the Father, to exalt the Son, to worship the Holy Spirit, to give them room to say, God, move, have your way, guide, comfort, Stretch, teach, strengthen, change, do what you will. 
But above all, we glorify you. Above all, we exalt you. In Ephesians 5.19, we see that God commands us to sing, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're to be gathered together so that we can address one another in these uplifting ways. But even more so, we are to, the next word, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did we see how we're to make that melody to the Lord? With our heart. He wants our all. God wants our all. He doesn't want us withholding something from him. There shouldn't be an aspect of our lives that we withhold from God. He wants our heart, and we're to worship him and honor him. Make melody to the Lord with our hearts and with thanks. I tell you what, I firmly believe that if we give thanks, other, other things that are hard follow will follow a whole lot easier. If we'll start with thanks, difficult things will follow. If we start with thanks, repentance will follow. If we start with thanks, confession will follow. If we start with thanks, vulnerability will follow. Thanks is a powerful thing. Colossians 3, 16 and 19 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But we do so with thankfulness, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The church exists to edify and encourage and uplift one another, no doubt. The church gathering, it exists to point people, both, both insiders, if you will, and outsiders, to point all to Christ, no doubt. But most importantly, we gather together weekly to worship and exalt God. For a church to be a church, Christians must agree on Christ. Agree on the kingship of Christ. Agree on the person of Christ. Agree on the power of Him. That agreement it, it reveals itself in the church gathering. That agreement that God is bigger than our problems, it reveals itself in the church gathering. That agreement that Jesus is our only means of salvation, that, that agreement reveals itself in this gathering. And as, as a result of this agreement in who Jesus is, we're strong. See, we don't have to agree on everything. I like to major in the majors. And not, I don't want to major in the minors. There can, there can be things we disagree on. I don't, that's fine. We don't have to agree on everything. But we have to agree on, on the non-negotiables. I'm telling you right now. King Jesus, that is a non-negotiable. That he lived the perfect life. That he died for our sins. That death could not contain him. That he willingly laid down his life 
He, he wasn't defeated. He was victorious in his obedience to the Father and laid down his life. And on the third day, he conquered death, and he rose again, and he's alive today. And when he said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. He's like, my work here is done, but now you're going to partner in this work that I've, that I've called you to. Now you're going to be my hands and feet, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this work. That's the non-negotiable. Other things that matter, we can discuss, we can disagree, that's okay. Honestly, there, I mean, there, and there's, there's other things that I consider non-negotiable that it's not going to be a four-hour preach. If we can't agree on the goodness of the Father, the completed work of Jesus, on the power of the Holy Spirit to teach, guide, comfort, and fill, then how are we going to do any activity with our whole hearts? That's what that passage said, right? We... we, we Worship him with our heart. There's times I got to remind myself of who he is. I got to remind myself times on the drive in. There's times I got to remind myself in pre-service prayer and just pray it out. Reminding myself who he is. Because life gets hard and things get big and there are difficulties. And there's times that, that the shadow of these things in our lives, it's big and daunting and intimidating. And I've got to remind myself and so do you. Matthew 18, 20 says this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And I have a thought on this. Chew on it. Take it to the Lord. I believe there's an intentionality here that, that, that Jesus is talking about. Whenever two or three, three of you, whenever you gather in my name, whenever there's intentionality that you acknowledge me and my authority and my kingship, you acknowledge me and you gather in my name, I am there to guide, I am there to empower, I'm there, I am there. But too often we just lack that intentionality of the moment. That's why days like today when we just stop and go and pray for each other, like we're intentional about that moment, we're like, we're going to join together. We're going to gather together just the two of us in this moment and invite Jesus into this moment. And that's why we did what we did today. The church can gather in his name because it agrees upon what? His name. You know what I mean by that? Here's something we can agree upon. Chris Stanifer is not the boss. Jimmy's not the boss of things. Eric's not the boss. Mark's not the boss. Andy's not the boss. Chris isn't the boss. When we gather together in his name, when we're in agreement of his name, it, there's an understanding that, Lord, you are Lord and Savior. You're the boss. You're the healer. You're the teacher. You're the strong one. I'm not the strong one. Andy's not the strong one. He's the strong one. We have to agree upon what Jesus has done, who he is and what he has done when we gather. And then Jesus seals this agreement with the most remarkable thing. When we come in and we acknowledge and we agree on who Jesus is, he seals this agreement 
with his presence. We get to be in the presence of God. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's fullness of peace. In his presence, there's fullness of strength, of hope, of all the things that we might have walked in lacking. And we come together and we agree on who Jesus is. And we're reminded he's here now. He said when we intentionally gather with one another, he's here now. He's present. It's the gathered church. The gathered church that represents Christ's rule. It represents Christ's reign. There's agreement with God in the intentional and sometimes defiant gathering together of God's people as the church. Why do I say sometimes defiant? Because people all over the world do not have the liberties we have. And they are defiantly and secretly gathering together as the church with their lives on the line. And for us, we don't want to change out of our jammies and not eat breakfast in bed. Oh, sorry, I just yelled. Ah! Sometimes Christians say this, and God bless them. I, I'm okay if this irritates them a little. I, I don't want to irritate them a lot. I don't want to like hurt anybody. I'm okay if it irritates somebody. Christians will say, well, the church is, is a people, not a place. And if friends of mine are listening or friends of mine are in this place and you're listening and you've said that, and that's a stupid thing to say. Don't say that. That's a ridiculous thing to say. If you're saying it out of some self-centered, self-absorbed means of saying, okay, this is my way of not doing blank. This is my way of not serving. This is my way of not attending. This is my way of not giving. This is my way of not getting out of bed. And so we say stupid stuff. Let me check. He's okay with that. He's okay with that. He's okay that I said that. It is stupid. Our lives are not meant to be this self-absorbed life. We're to live generously with our lives. So I'm, I'm the church just sitting here right now. I'm just sitting here in my Spider-Man underoos right here at home. I'm the church. No, you're not. You're, a, you're an immature man sitting wearing un, kids' underwear and not coming to church. Quit calling yourself the church. Here's an example. It's true that the church remains a church even when it's not gathered, right? Why do, why do some people look mad right now? Knock, knock. I don't have anything else. I just, I just needed something. It's true that the church can remain the church even when it's not gathered, just like a football team is a team when it's not gathered, right? But you can't be a football team if you never show up to the field. You can't be a football team if you never show up to play, to compete, right? Two teams are playing on Monday night, tomorrow night. The Raiders are one of them, and the Chargers. Their team, they're not playing today. They're not gathered today, but they'll be gathered tomorrow. They will compete tomorrow. They will don their colors tomorrow. They will put on their armor tomorrow. We can't be the church if we never come in, and we can't use some paltry excuse about well that's okay I'm the church and we don't have to be in a building that is bull show me that in scripture 
I don't behind, hide behind some Christianese language. Okay, deep breaths, Mark. Deep breaths. I get frustrated uh, at this. We're the church, and it's not just to exalt Jesus. Because true, that can be done anywhere. That's our primary means of being the church, of gathering together. But once we are gathered together, we sing spiritual songs to one another. We pray for one another. We prophesy to one another. We encourage and uplift and edify one another. Once we're together, we do things that make it about God. We're available to serve others. And we make ourselves available for God to do whatever he will, either through himself or through someone else. Anybody agree with that? We're the church. Gathering matters. Okay, so a little bit of church history. I'm going to try and fly through this. I can send you my notes later if I fly through it too quickly. So church gatherings represent the geography of the kingdom. The geography, the plot of land, the, the specific place, the geography of the kingdom. And the geography of God's kingdom has always been important. So let's look real quick. Originally, God dwelled with the very first couple ever. Who's that? Adam and Eve. Where did he dwell with them? In the garden, in a specific place. Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned, so what happens? They get kicked out of the garden. They get exiled, right? They get exiled from the garden, from that place. What did they just get kicked out of? The gathering. They got kicked out of the gathering with God, okay? Through Abraham, God once again called a people to gather. He called a people to gather together through Abraham and to fulfill the commission that Adam and Eve could not. And to walk in the authority that he originally gave to Adam. And there are times that God would gather his people to the land of Canaan, where he would call them to physically assemble together. The word used by the Greek Old Testament to describe these physical shoulder-to-shoulder, side-by-side assemblies is the word ecclesia. You want to know what Ecclesia means? You want to know the exact definition? If you went to blueletterbible.org right now and you looked up Ecclesia, this is the exact definition you're going to get. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes, uh-oh, into some public place. Uh-oh, wasn't there. That was mine. That was. I'm going to start over. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, that's my bad. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. Ecclesia. This is one of the words that Jesus uses for the church, the ecclesia. The Israelites gathered at the base of Mount Sinai. And, and it was in the midst of fire on the day of the assembly, that day of ecclesia. That's in Deuteronomy 9, 10, and 18. Moses instructed all of Israel to assemble. It's that same word, ecclesia, every seven years to hear the words of the law. And then he offered his final charge to the assembly of Israel, the ecclesia of Israel. That's in Deuteronomy 31. And, yeah, centuries later, uh, King Solomon dedicated the temple, praying to God, and then he blessed all the assembly of Israel. Let 
the assembly, the ecclesia, it serves a crucial role in making God's kingdom tangible. The gathering together was vital in letting people see that the kingdom of God is not just some hypothetical kingdom. It's real. It's tangible. It's physical. Just like it was in Eden. Just like it was at these other gatherings. God established his covenant with his people in the midst of this assembly, the gathering. The people gathered to worship God in this assembly, in this gathering. Psalm 149.1 says this, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. So it's godly. Who's the godly? Oh, wait, who's the godly? No one's answering. We are, thank you. We are. We're the godly. We assemble together and we praise the Lord together. God is glorified together. We are strengthened together. When God exiled Israel and Judah from the land, he stopped functioning in the assembly. We forget this. We forget that there was a stretch where there was not that assembly and that there was not that communion with God. See, we, we forget because Jesus paid the price so that we could be have direct access to the Father anytime we want. Jesus is the bridge over the chasm of our sins. He paid the price. He's the bridge. He's the means to the Father. But there were huge stretches of time that we see in the Old Testament where they did not have that assembly and they did not have the presence of God, where words did not come forth. Let's look at Joel 2. This kind of wraps up our history lesson. And we'll see something profound. After the eviction of God's people, once again, due to sin, after that we see the promise of God declared. Joel 2.16. The prophet says this, Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. Even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. I mean, pretty, pretty exciting stuff, right? Let everything stop and let us gather once together. Verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is God speaking. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Even your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. The, the prophetic word coming forth that everybody gets the presence of God. Everybody will have the opportunity to engage with God. And then verse 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Guys, we can't, we can't let it get lost in this, that this word comes forth, that we get to gather again. We get to come together again. We get to be in God's presence again. I promise you guys, if all of a sudden we were told that there would be cops at every door of every church and we would not be able to gather, we would feel the hurt and the pain of not being able to gather. When that happens, I'm, I'm doing sneaky gathering. 
however many my house, my basement can hold, which is all of us. In the same breath that Joel promises the outpouring of God's spirit, he also tells Israel to gather. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. The ecclesia. Bless America. Israel's entire history is displayed as a gathering and then a scattering and then a gathering, a promise of another gathering. That's their entire history. Gathering, scattering, and the promise of being able to once again be gathered under the Messiah. So why are we so audacious to think that our gathering doesn't matter. Ladies, do y'all, do y'all bus chops? I know guys bus chops. Like, do y'all bus chops? It's probably different, though. It's probably kinder. It's different. But you do it. I thought so. Men and women, we, we, teens, we need to be busting chops. If you don't know what that means, that doesn't mean we're going to punch people in the chops. That's that's. Busting chops is like, you know, giving them a hard time. Like, dude, get your butt to church. It's not about you. Get your butt to church so we can make it about Jesus one another, and then God will make it about you. Well, that's how I would do it. You do it how Christian would do it. You do it Christian way. It's in this Old Testament history that we need to hear Jesus arriving on the scene in the New Testament saying, I will build my ecclesia. We need to keep the history of of the church and Israel and the children of God in mind in the Old Testament when we see Jesus hit the scene in the New Testament saying, I will build my ecclesia. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Church. What word does Jesus use for church here? Ecclesia. Ecclesia. I will build my gathering. He didn't use synagogue. He could have used synagogue. He didn't use koinonia. He could have used fellowship. He said, upon this fellowship, I will build my church. He didn't use koinonia. He didn't use that word for fellowship. He said, upon my gathering, upon my ecclesia, upon my assembly. And we're going to sit there and say that assembling together doesn't matter. Jesus had something specific in mind at that moment. The gathering of a new Israel. The end of exile. That is good news. The end of exile. The end of not being gathered together in his name. The tangible establishing of a heavenly kingdom in a physical way. Jesus never intended for his disciples to be a religion characterized by very specific beliefs and values. 
He didn't intend for us to be a, a book club, whether we all gather together over a common book, a common interest, chess, whatever. God shows us what he intended. He chose a very specific word that came with physical meaning, with spatial meaning, that represented the physical gathering together, and it was ecclesia. And then, and then we're told that we're different parts of the body, that we make up the whole, and that we're not to ever look down upon the part of the body that we are. We're not to look down upon the role that God has given us to. Robert, we're not to look down to what part of the body you are. And you know what? I will say this. The part of the body that you are now is not necessarily the part of the body you're going to be five years from now. I think body parts change. I think we serve functions in different times. I think there's times we can be, um, I don't know, quadriceps and really support and really be pillars. And there's times we can be, we can be fingers and be very detail-oriented and very dexterous and very hands-on. But we're called to come together with Christ at the center. The spiritual kingdom is also a physical kingdom. Not a worldly one. Not a worldly kingdom. But it's physical. We're here together right now. We're here shoulder to shoulder. We're here face to face. God wants us to come together in the name of his son visibly. In a place. As a testimony to his lordship. To his rule. As an acknowledgement that I'm not the boss. I'm not the strong one. I'm not the one that's in control. That would be God. We give Jesus that place of honor. We give the king honor. Just like any other kingdom. We give the king honor. The temporary but visible geography of Christ's kingdom is the gathering. I want to say that again. The temporary but visible geography of Christ's kingdom is the gathering. Sometimes geography doesn't matter. The garden matters. The promised land matters. Geography matters. Land matters. And when we come together right now, this is the geography of, of God's kingdom in our lives. is coming together in this place, and it matters. Churches gather together because as embassies of heaven, we must become visible and audible and touchable. People who don't know the grace of God, they need to see that the kingdom of God is audible, physical, tangible, touchable. hypothetical, ethereal kingdom that is real. And we gather in a place and we lay ourselves aside. Sometimes this might be odd. i got to do it. Lord, why am I so worked up? Why I, I, don't, I didn't think I'd get this worked up over this. Lord, what is it that or would you just like, if you got to say something, Lord, what is it? Because I'm, I'm feeling so worked up. I'm
read Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and all peoples and all languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One day this will be us. This will be the great gathering. This will be the great assembly. And this will be the final ecclesia. And that is what we'll proclaim. And maybe this is why I'm getting so worked up. We're not just supposed to proclaim it then. We're supposed to demonstrate it now. Candace, is your life different since you've given your life to Christ? Everyone around you needs to know about it. They see it. Trust me, they know. And some have called you on it. Why are you different? But some haven't, and they need to know. And we all need to ask ourselves that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. We all have to ask ourselves that. Is my life different since I've surrendered my life to God? Or maybe this. Have you not yet surrendered your life to God? Yes, let me, let me be candid. It's not like I haven't already been candid. Let me just be, let me continue to be candid. life are we withholding from God? What part of our life have we said, no, you don't have access to that? You have access to Sunday morning from 10 to 11.30. But you don't get Tuesdays. Lord, do you have access to my car, but not my truck? Lord, do you have access to my church friends, but not my Lord, you have access to my baking abilities, but not my money. Lord, you have access to my strengths, but not my weaknesses. Lord, you have access to my gifts, but not my hurts. When we come together in this place, there's power to be healed. There's got to be surrender. There's got to be agreement. Remember I said that at the beginning? There's got to be agreement about who Jesus is. And when we come together and there's that agreement about who Jesus is and what he's done and what he can do, we are strong. Teenagers, can you guys on this side all look at me real quick? Do I got all of you guys this? Yeah, that's right. When you come into this place, you don't have to be strong. If you come in here heavy burdened, if you come in here sad, if you come in here hurting, come in here hurting. But we're not supposed to leave that place. We're supposed to crawl our way in that place. And he's supposed to touch us and change us and heal us and strengthen us. Husbands, when you see your wife hurting, you see her sad. Supposed to touch her with that power and say, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if I have the right words. Can I just invite Jesus into that hurt? Jesus, would you heal my wife? Wives, when you see your husband weak, do the same thing. Parents, when you see your kids hurting, do the same thing. Kids, when you see your parents hurting, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to, I don't know what's going on, and I know you don't always tell me things, and I get it. 
So I'm just going to pray for you. Just pray for this man. Invite Jesus into that moment. When two or three are gathered together in my name, they are the ecclesia. They are the gathering. They are assembly. There I am. Let's live our lives intentionally for our King. Let's pray. Lord, we only want your words to be remembered today. We only want your hearts to be felt today. We only want your truth to change us today. So Holy Spirit, you are remarkable. We acknowledge you are brilliant and you are remarkable. So would you do that? Would you just embed these words onto our heart, the words of God, to bring life and truth and strength and promise? Would you just nail that to our hearts in truth and in power? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we're not exiled. We thank you that we're no longer unable to assemble. That, that you have tore down the, the veil. You have torn the veil so that we have access to God at any time. Not through religious means. Not through a secret handshake. But through relationship with you. So Lord, we come to you right now. And we say, have your way. Change us. There's some things in us that, that you got to change and we've kept from you. So Lord, we make them available to you and just change us. We trust you. Lord, heal us. We're hurting. So we need a healer, Jesus. We need healing. And we can't do it ourselves. With all eyes closed, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, I've been talking about him this whole time. And you can know him, not as a religious icon, not, not any of that stuff, but as friend, as Savior, as Lord. And all throughout Scripture, I always reference Romans 10, but on, all throughout Scripture, and we read it again in, in Job chapter 2, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, just call out to his name, say, Jesus, I need you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want something real, not something religious. churches do things different ways, and I want you to know why we do some of the things we do. The reason after the, after the service and after I, I say those words, the reason I say, hey, if you prayed, if you called out to the Lord and you made that decision, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, I want to know you, Jesus, let us know. There's reasons for that. Number one, we want to celebrate it. We want to celebrate it because it's thrilling. But also, we want to link arms with you. We want to get you a Bible. We want to start connecting you with other believers that will walk with you and and help you, help answer questions and then be there with you. So that's why we want to know. So if anybody, if you're in this place or worshiping online, made a, a decision in their heart to trust in Jesus, let us know. We can do that. If you're online, come to, to email us at contact at impactrock.com. Leave your phone number and we'll call you. We will call you. We'll pray with you. And we'll get your address and we'll send you a Bible. We don't care where you live arms with you. Our God is so good. 
and I know there's times I get worked up. I, I mean, I'm just under giving stuff about everything. Tomorrow night, I'm going to watch football and get worked up. But it doesn't compare to the, any bit of emotion that I will exert talking about Jesus. That's first and foremost. That's number one. There, it, everything else is just secondary. If you need prayer at the end of the service, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. Honestly, we mean that. We'd love to pray with you. If you need a friend just to point you to Jesus, we'd love to be that friend and, and to do so right now. So come up after the service, and I'll love it. leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.